Hi there, I'm your host, Eddie, and you're listening to the first episode of The Motion, a podcast about examining entertainment law and copyright from an audience's perspective. In this podcast, we'll be covering copyright infringement and intellectual property cases, as well as current legal news and issues in the entertainment industry. I find that it's interesting to break down and get into the details of cases and question our current copyright system in place, because it seems like it's not really working for musicians and artists anyway. I started this podcast because I've always been so intrigued by entertainment law. A few years back, I majored in music business for my associate's degree, later finishing up with my bachelor's in communications. And during that time, I took a few entertainment law classes, but couldn't get enough of learning about historic cases as well as what was currently happening in the industry. Have you ever wondered what happened with the Blurred Lines lawsuit and how Marvin Gaye's estate won that case against Robin Thicke and Pharrell? Or what's going on with Taylor Swift's rights to her song's masters from Scooter Braun? How much in streaming royalties do artists actually receive from individual streams? These kinds of things really interested me because the outcomes of these trials or settlements can affect the laws and standards put into place around music and entertainment business, and that could change the future of music and film for artists and audiences alike. On this show, we'll be covering historical copyright cases, following current cases and their outcomes to show you how the current copyright system is broken. And we'll also get into definitions of legal terms, delving into details of record deals, and examining streaming services like Spotify. I want this podcast to be a place to learn about these cases and subjects from an audience and creator's point of view. I want to take a deep dive into entertainment law as much as I can. I'm not an entertainment attorney, but I'll do my best. And uncover the details of these cases and laws in this industry and how they affect us. Let's go behind the scenes a bit and see if we can make sense of it all. Let me tell you a story about copyright. In March of 2018 at Lollapalooza Music Festival in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Lana Del Rey finishes her encore, lights a cigarette, and exclaims to her audience, Well, f***, I mean, now that my lawsuit's over, I guess I can sing that song anytime I want to, right? She takes a drag, and the crowd loudly cheers her on. The song she's talking about is Get Free which is part of a supposed ongoing copyright infringement lawsuit with none other than UK band Radiohead. If two or more songs sort of sound the same or have a similar chord progression or melody, does that legally mean copyright infringement occurred, even though the intent to copy wasn't there? Of all the songs we listen to and worm their way into our ears and hearts, can we be prosecuted for creating something inspired by a tune possibly lingering around in our subconscious? In the beginning of 2018, it was reported that Lana Del Rey was allegedly being sued by members of Radiohead and their publisher for copyright infringement. The song in question was Get Free, and apparently it had many similarities to the Radiohead song Creep, mostly for the similar chord progression in the verse. Del Rey's Get Free is sort of a slow ballad and appeared as the closing track on her 2017 album Lust for Life. In this rumored lawsuit, Radiohead claimed they deserved 100% of publishing for Get Free's alleged infringement. In 1992, Radiohead released Creep as a single from their debut album Pablo Honey. Creep didn't top the charts at first, but eventually became one of the most well-known tracks on the album, as well as one of Radiohead's most recognizable tracks of all time. The band gained critical success from listeners worldwide that carried over to their later releases like OK Computer, Kid A, and Hail to the Thief. 
they grew to be one of the most important alternative bands of our time. Radiohead did become somewhat tired of performing Creep in their later years and refused to play it live for a bit. Since they've been together, Radiohead has sold over 30 million albums, been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and also pioneered a different way for fans to pay for their music. In 2007, they self-released their album In Rainbows exclusively through their website, with a pay-what-you-want pricing scale. It proved to be a quite successful strategy as they made far more money from that release than if the album was released through a label. As of now, Radiohead are still making great music together, as well as through their various solo and side projects. Lana Del Rey has been a definite presence in the pop charts and in our zeitgeist for a while now. Her 1960s and 70s influenced looks and emotive vocals together create a cinematic feeling to her songs. She broke out around 2011 with her hit Video Games, and her debut record Born to Die spawned several hits including Blue Jeans, Summertime Sadness, and National Anthem. Each of her albums are a mood of their own. Her sophomore album Ultraviolence is a personal favorite of mine. It only makes sense that her music has been used in films, TV, and commercials. Her Lust for Life album sold 80,000 units and was streamed more than 36 million times, according to figures from Nielsen. Just last year, she released the critically acclaimed album Norman F***ing Rockwell. Over the years, she's gained popularity for her music dripping with her well-known aesthetic and is recognized with many nominations and awards for her music and videos. An interesting thing about this ordeal is, accusations of plagiarism aren't unfamiliar to Radiohead. They had actually been sued for Creep years before, the very song they were accusing Lana of plagiarizing. In 1993, Radiohead was sued by the British rock band The Hollies for copyright infringement of their 1974 song, The Air That I Breathe, because the song sounded so similar. In the suit, the Holly songwriters Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood requested that they be added to the songwriting credits for Creep. They settled the matter out of court and were eventually added as songwriters to Creep, which means they receive royalties for the song in addition to Radiohead members. So, they get a cut of the money Radiohead receives for every time that song is sold. The Hollies could possibly sue Lana if they wanted to, although they haven't yet, but I guess time will tell. The coincidence of it all did not go unnoticed by other musicians. Former Blur guitarist and solo artist Graham Coxon tweeted about the Lana Del Rey and Radiohead issue, saying, I always thought the Hollies wrote it. On Sunday, January 7, 2018, Lana went into further details about the supposed lawsuit on Twitter. Radiohead had rejected her offer of 40% of the song's royalties, she claimed, and were demanding 100%. It's true about the lawsuit, she wrote. Although I know my song wasn't inspired by Creep, Radiohead feel it was and want 100% of the publishing. I offered up to 40% over the last few months, but they will only accept 100. Their lawyers have been relentless, so we will deal with it in court. Later on that day, at a show in Denver, Lana revealed that she may have to remove the track Get Free from her album Lust for Life altogether to appease Radiohead and their publishers. She said to her audience, I just want to let you know, regardless if it gets taken down off of everything, that those sentiments that I wrote, that I'm really going to strive for them, even if that song is not on future physical releases of the record. I just wanted to let you know that for the kids and for the not kids who are the real fans who are here. So that's probably the last thing I'll say about it. 
In response to Lana's tweets, Radiohead's publisher Warner Chappell denied pursuing a lawsuit against Lana, but explained that they simply asked for Radiohead to be credited on the song. This statement from Warner Chappell reads, As Radiohead's music publisher, it's true that we've been in discussion since August of last year with Lana Del Rey's representatives. It's clear that the verses of Get Free use musical elements found in the verses of Creep, and we've requested that this be acknowledged in favor of all writers of Creep. To set the record straight, no lawsuit has been issued and Radiohead have not said they will only accept 100% of the publishing of Get Free. To break it down a bit, music copyright can be divided into two sections, copyright of the song itself, known as publishing rights, and copyright for the sound recording, known as master rights, and we'll talk about that in a later episode. The publisher only deals with the publishing right, which is the songwriting side and includes music and lyrics. A music publisher is responsible for ensuring that songwriters and composers get paid when their compositions are used commercially usually when the music is sold, downloaded, or streamed. They can also license the song to be used in film or TV, advertisements. Through an agreement called a publishing contract, a songwriter or composer assigns the copyright of their composition to a publishing company. Then the publisher protects the use of songs and collects royalties owed from the use of the song. Back to Lana in March of 2018, She's finally able to perform Get Free in front of hundreds of thousands of people in Brazil. Radiohead never released a final statement about this whole thing. And so far, the songwriting credits for Get Free in the database of the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, or also known as ASCAP, list Lana Del Rey, Rick Knowles, and Kieran Menzies as co-writers and do not include any of Radiohead's members as songwriters. As of now, we must assume that Lana and Radiohead settled this amicably and out of court. I feel like influence has a lot to do with this lawsuit and many others. As musicians and fans, we certainly listen to and consume a lot of music over the years. Often, we can end up being influenced by others' work even though we try our best to compose original art. Sometimes our subconscious can get in the way and end up costing us quite a bit if that's actually the case. Lana's popularity probably helped bring this song to the attention of Radiohead's publishing company. Maybe that's why they pushed for so much of a percentage of the royalties. Some independent artists may have not popped up on their radar, but I'm sure there are tracks out there with similar chord progressions to get free and creep. They just don't receive that much airplay or recognition. What do you think? Should she have given up some of her copyright? Do the tracks sound alike at all to you? Why did Radiohead pursue this suit, especially since they've already been sued for the exact same song? Was it mostly their publishing company that wanted a cut? So, this rumored lawsuit is over for Lana Del Rey and Radiohead, and they didn't end up going to trial. Some artists aren't so lucky to have the whole thing settled so quickly, and we'll be getting into that in our next episode of The Motion. Thanks so much for listening to our very first episode of The Motion. If you have any questions or topics you think we should cover, please send us an email at themotionpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you listen to podcasts. Please review and rate us. Every little bit helps. We are just starting out. The Motion is written, produced, and recorded by me. Music is by Machinima Sound. Follow us on Twitter at The Motion Pod and find us on Instagram at Listen to the Motion. At the moment, a track I'm really enjoying is Dive and Tomberlin's cover of the low track Words. 
tweet me a favorite track of yours that you're listening to right now at The Motion Pod. See you next week for another new episode of The Motion.